We're going to be reading out of the book of Matthew today. There are two specific passages that we're going to be looking at. And today I want to talk to you about staying the course. I want to talk to you about a couple of keys that I really believe the Lord has been showing me recently about how to have longevity and sustained endurance as a follower of Christ. You know, obviously we've experienced a time as society where we've had to stay the course with the tightness of restrictions, you know, and we worked hard and at times we're forced, you know, to stay the course and to follow that. But just out of that, I've been thinking, well, what does it take to stay the course as a follower of Christ? You know, what does it take to have sustained endurance, sustained longevity in our Jesus following? How do we stay the course? You know, what are the, what are some keys to endurance? And so I'm going to be talking about two things today. There's so many more. So don't take this as Nathan said, there's only two main things to, you know, be sustained in in longevity in following Christ. There are so many more, but I don't think you want to listen to me talk for about six hours. So I'm going to talk for about 30 minutes. So we're only covering two. So Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, I see people scrolling on their phones. Matthew, I hope you're not on Facebook and that you're actually using the Bible app. Good, nice. That's what I want to see. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. We'll pick it up from here. At that time, Jesus answered and said to them, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to the babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed so good in your sight that all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except through the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except through the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love this verse. I love this passage of scripture. You know, growing up and reading it, I used to always, whenever I hear the word yoke, I think of an egg yoke instantly, even though it's a different yoke. I didn't know growing up, I didn't know that there was a yoke which was Y-O-L-K and then a yoke which was Y-O-K-E. There you go. I discovered that. But I love this verse. And I used to think of it through a lens of like, man, if I've got, um, you know, if I've got troubles and if I've got things that are like, you know, heavy on my life, I I can come to Christ and I can bring them to him. Um, You know, and it says that like, I take my yoke upon him and I learn from him because he is gentle and lowly in heart and I'll find rest for my soul. And that the yoke of Jesus is easy and that his burdens are light. And so I thought about it through that lens of like, ah, God, I can come to you when I'm tired and I'm going to experience rest. I can come to you when I'm tired and and I'm going to experience peace in my soul and, and my burdens aren't going to be there anymore. Really beautiful picture. That's a really comforting verse. However, it does not mean that at all. It means that partially, but the the translation of this verse isn't just for us to experience an easing of our burdens. 
it is for us to experience a rest in our souls, but it isn't just so that, you know, we can come and give our burdens to Christ. What this verse is actually meaning, it, it's really important that we understand what it meant in the context of that time. And to look at, to do that, we have to look at the original text and, and, you know, look at what it is in the other language. And basically, I'm going to give you a summarized version because I like summarized versions. The word yoke and this phrase, this sentence that's being spoken, it isn't, it, it actually translates to take my way of life. That's basically what it translates to. So when Christ says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he's actually saying, hey guys, take my way of life. Take the way that I live and learn from it. If you follow and learn and and live the way that I live, you will then experience rest for your souls. So that's a really different picture than us coming to Christ and just laying our burdens on him. It's, it's actually a picture that's painted where, where it's our responsibility to, to look and observe the way that Jesus lived his life on earth and to, to recognize the things that he did, to recognize the practices that he had and to actually learn from them and to take them on ourselves. You know, we won't have longevity if our effort to, to sustain longevity is based off of our own strength, our own ways, or our own power. There is only so much that we can do for ourselves before we come to the end of what we can do for ourselves. Jesus makes it really clear that by communicating this, he's actually, he's assuming that we as people have burdens. We all have burdens, right? I have burdens whether they be financial, whether they be needs of things that we need in our lives or, or maybe relationships or, or there's like heavy burdens in relationships. We all have burdens and Jesus knows that. And so he's communicating to his disciples and saying, hey, like I recognize your burdens. I don't necessarily want to get rid of all your burdens, but I want, what I want you to know is that you need to live the way that I live. You need to take my yoke, take my ways and to live my ways. And in that, in doing that, you will experience rest for your souls. In doing that, you will experience my easiness of yoke. You will experience and know that I'm gentle and lowly in heart. The first important thing that I want you to understand and what we need to remember when we're thinking about staying the course is that it can't be out of our own strength. It can't be out of our own might. It can't be out of our own will. It has to be Christ's way. It has to be Jesus's yoke that we take and that we, that we live and that we live out of an experience. I bet you're probably thinking, man, so then that means that do I need to be in full-time ministry? Do I need to be a carpenter for 30 years? And then do I need to spend three years ministering? And then do I have to die on the cross as well? The answer is no to that. None of us have to be a carpenter and then, you know, spend three years ministering. None of us have to hang out with fishermen. You know, we don't have to hang out with tax collectors, but there are some key things that we need to understand that of certain practices that Jesus did and certain practices that he carried out on a regular basis. You know, things like practicing the Sabbath, things like practicing alone time and time spent with the father. 
you know, Jesus in multiple points in the gospels would communicate, I only do what I see my father doing or I only say what I hear my father saying. You know, we need to practice the intimacy with Christ just how Jesus practiced the intimacy with the father. You know, we need to practice evangelizing. We need to practice sharing the gospel. We need to practice praying for people like Jesus did. You know, we actually need to practice and carry out the practice of living in community. You know, Christ was always with his disciples. There were times when he would separate and come alone with God, but majority of the time he was within community. And so we need to, in our lives, practice community. As I said, there are so many different things that Jesus did. And so we need to recognize and learn the things that he did and take his yoke upon us because it's his yoke that is going to sustain us. It's his ways that are going to keep us moving and staying the course. Another thing that's really important to understand in this is that there's a difference between being an owner and a user. There's a difference between being an owner and a user. Let me paint a picture for you. Who here owns a house? Raise your hand. I don't own a house, but raise your hand if you own your house that you live in. Great. There's a few hands going up. That's good. Raise your hand if you rent or you don't own the house that you're in or Yeah, that's a few people or or Ruby's raising her hand. I don't think Ruby's renting from Pete and Sal. (laughs) Raise your hand if you are a child that lives in your parents' house and whether you pay board or something like that, but you, you know, you're a child that lives there. You know, each of us have different levels of responsibility and we're all in a different scenario. So like for me, I'm a, I'm a user of my landlord's property. My landlord is the owner of the house. For those of you that are homeowners, you're in charge of your place. Now, for me as a person who's renting, and, and I'm, I don't do this, but I could do this. For me as a person who's renting, I don't need to care about the broken lights. I don't need to care about the holes in the walls. I don't need to care about you know the plumbing tap that's not working in my house because it's not my property. I'm a user of the property. However, it's not my responsibility to maintain and to take care of the fixtures of the house, right? Everyone understands that. But for people that are homeowners, whether you do it or not, it's your responsibility. Your own house is your own responsibility. So if Darren is, you know, in his house and if Kelly, you know, gets really annoyed at him because Darren didn't read his book and Kelly punches a hole in the wall, this is just an example, I'm not prophesying this to be happening or anything like that. But if Kelly punches a hole in the wall, she can't email her landlord and say, hey, we've had an accident. Can you come and fix the hole in our wall? Whose responsibility is it for them to fix it? It's probably going to be theirs. Well, Darren's pointing at Kelly. Kelly's pointing at Darren. But it's one of their responsibility, right? Because they own the home. Very different to being a user. So there's a clear difference between being an owner of something and a user of something. And this is really important for us to grasp because we are all owners of ourselves. We're not users of ourselves. That might be easier sometimes, but we all have to own the life that we have and who we are. We all get that, right? Yeah, wave at me if we get that. We all get that. Awesome. We all have to own and we're all in charge. So Ruby is in charge. Well, 
with restrictions and limitations because she's a child, but Ruby is in charge of herself. So if Ruby wants to make a decision about doing something with her parents' permission, she's probably going to be able to do it or not do it. But Lola isn't going to be telling Ruby what to do. And if Ruby does something and or makes a mistake, well, I mean, Lola might actually tell Ruby something to do. That could happen because, you know, siblings are great like that. My sister always tells me what to do. If Ruby um, does something, it's her responsibility to own the consequences of her actions. And so it's really important for us to realize that when Christ is asking us to take his yoke upon ourselves, there's no one that can actually make us take his yoke except for ourselves. It has to be our decision, it has to be our choice, and we're the ones that pay the consequences of doing it or not doing it. There's a really great passage in the Bible. We're going to flip to Matthew chapter 25. This is a really great passage of Scripture that illustrates what it looks like to own something or what it looks like to be a user of something and with consequences for our actions. And so what I'm going to suggest to you right before we read this is that for us to experience longevity and for us to sustain and to stay the course, we need to be people that own our walk with Christ and not just use our lives. We need to take full ownership of everything that has been given to us and everything that we have received and not just be users of it and be one step removed from everything that's going on. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who has called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one of the servants, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two. And to another, he gave one. He gave each according to their own ability and immediately went on a journey. Pause right there. We are like these servants who have received talents. You know, there are some of us like Daniel Bunston, who's really talented and he's received five. And then there are maybe some of us that have received two or one. We've all received talents according to our own ability. God's given us things according to where we are in life. We're all in that position. Verse 16, then the one who received the five talents went and he traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two talents went and traded and also gained two more. But he who had received just one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled his accounts with them. So he who had received the five talents came and brought another five talents to the Lord saying, Lord, you first delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord replied to him and said, well done, good and faithful servant. You will faithful over a few things and therefore I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He who had also received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two. Now look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you the ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And so therefore I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, 
you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own plus with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the man who has 10. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We have three servants. Each have received according to their own ability. Each have made pivotal decisions that has determined the outcome of their story. The first two servants took what they had been given and they practice the way of their Lord. Not our Lord, but like the Lord, their, their master. They practice the way of their master. And so they traded, they sowed, and they reaped back that which they had given. And because of that, they were able to enter into the joy of their master. They did a good job. Those two servants were owners of what they had received. They weren't just users. They weren't just like, oh, I've got it, but I'm not going to do anything about it, but I've got it. They took it on and they took on the ways of their master and they did what he did and they received back twofold of what they had been given. We have the third servant who recognizes that he's only been given one. He recognizes that his master is a hard man. What I find fascinating is he, he knows and he says this to the master that he knows that the master reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So he knows that this master is successful when it comes to trading because he, he reaps when he doesn't always sow and he gathers when he hasn't always placed the seeds there together. So he understands the ways of his master. He is completely aware of his ways. Yet, big yet, he doesn't embody them and make the same decisions. He didn't take on the yoke of his master. He let fear get in the way. He let concern get in the way. And he hid them and buried them. And look what happened. He ended up losing what he had been given. It was taken away from him. It was not good for him at all. He got cast out into the outer darkness. Guys, we have to be people. We're required as followers of Christ that we take on the yoke of Jesus, that we take on the ways of Jesus. We're only required to take on that which we have been given that which we know. Like if you don't know something about God, then, then you can't take it on. But the Bible is so clear. It says in verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like, it paints this picture that this is what's asked of us. That we have the ability to know the ways of our master, know the ways of Jesus and take on his yoke. 
and to actually live it out. To actually live it out. This is super key for us when it comes to staying the course and understanding longevity. Because we see here, the third servant, he knew the way of the master, but he didn't live the way of the master. And he, out of fear, out of his own conception, out of his own understanding, did what he deemed best. And look what happened to him. Look what happened to him. We have to, we must learn the ways of Jesus, but not just learn them. We have to practice the ways of Jesus. We have to live the ways of Jesus. Are we going to be a homeowner? Are we going to be an owner of our story? Are we going to be people that understand and take it on and accept the responsibility, accept that which we have been given, or are we going to be users of what we have been given and only users? For us to stay the course, for us to be a people of longevity, we must be owners of our story. We must be owners of what we have been given. And we must practice and take on the ways of Jesus. Let me just pray. God, Lord, we come before you. And God, we first just thank you for what you have given to us. Lord, we thank you for our salvation. God, we thank you for your spirit that lives inside of us. And Lord, we recognize that you have given to each of us what you deem according to who we are. And God, I just pray right now for the courage and the strength in you for us to live and to know your ways, to practice your ways. God, I pray for wisdom for us. Lord, that we would be people that know your leading and your guiding, that we can see it in the scripture. Lord, that we would practice the ways that Jesus practiced. God, would you give us revelation to understand and to know and to live out these things. Lord, we want to honor you in everything that we do. And so we ask these things in your name. Amen.